Amen. Welcome again to Moody Church Sunday night service. My name is Pastor Michael and I get the privilege of opening God's word with you tonight. And as Rachel mentioned, we are continuing in our series on words. And tonight we're talking about something that happens to all of us all over the place, all different contexts that the Bible speaks a lot about. And that is how we handle conflict how conflict comes into our lives and then how we handle it and how we should handle it in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God. Well, like many of you, I have watched more than once, more than twice at this point, probably three or four times, the, the film that just came out just over a week ago, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. And I, Disney did not pay me to say this, but I've watched it a lot. And I watched it in person when the show was here in Chicago for several years as well. And one of the themes of the movie that picks up on his life is his ability and his use of words. And if there's a lot of play on that, how words were his legacy, he talks about how much he wrote. But in the midst of his words, it got him in a lot of trouble as well. And I love how it dives into the conflict that he had with various characters throughout history, with Thomas Jefferson. But the real conflict that the whole story revolves around is his conflict with a man named Aaron Burr. And in just the second song of the musical, Aaron Burr looks at Alexander Hamilton and he says, talk less, smile more, talk less. And Alexander does not take his advice. He talks a lot to which this conflict between the two of them ultimately rise to at the end of the film, a duel between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton, where Alexander Hamilton is killed by Aaron Burr in this conflict. Now, hopefully your conflict resolution skills have grown from where theirs were. Hopefully you're not challenging anyone to go out and shoot at each other at dawn tomorrow morning. But I think for all of us, conflict is an area in our lives in which we can grow in, in our honoring of God and our love for one another. Because conflict's an inevitable part of human life. Conflict happens to all of us. And I want to make sure I say this up front, lest you get any illusions. I am not an expert on conflict resolution. A quick conversation with my family, with my wife, with my coworkers would tell you, I don't by any means have this down perfect. Tonight, I am preaching to myself just as much as I am preaching to anyone else. But conflict happens and God's word says a lot about how we should handle it in our lives. As we start to think about this tonight, I want you to think, how do you naturally handle conflict? Depending on your personality, the environment in which you are raised, and just maybe a few other factors, you're naturally bent towards a natural handling of conflict into your life. There's a few different ways you can think of this. One kind of way in which you handle conflict is we avoid it. Some people will just run away from conflict at all costs. They, you will never see them in a fight because they will escape and run away from any situation ever in which conflict could happen. That's not the best or proper way to handle conflict. Others are kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum and they are the attack ones. They, are, they see anything, they, they scroll through any newsfeed and if they see something they disagree with, they're in. Their coworker says one thing, oh, they're in. Their, their spouse, their children say one thing they disagree with. They are ready to go into a fight no matter how long it takes. They want to always engage in every conflict. And tonight we're going to see how that's not the best way either. And then there's others who 
are just kind of accepting of it and just lean back and allow it to happen, but never stand up for themselves. It's what I was reading one article that calls it, it's the doormat approach to conflict. You'll never stand up for yourself when you just let people run over you and never engage in it at all. Though you're not avoiding it, you're just getting run over by people who want to attack you. That's not the best way either. And there's a better way, a biblical way for us to handle conflict in our lives. As we remind ourselves of this throughout, I want us to remind us as we start a healthy relationship. Healthy relationships aren't those that are always conflict-free, but have healthy ways of dealing with conflict. Every relationship in any setting will always have some conflict. And the best relationships aren't those that are free of conflict, but that we learn to have healthy ways of dealing with it. So tonight, our outline is this, three questions to ask yourself when in conflict. Three questions that we should ask ourselves when we are in conflict. The first question is this, why should I engage in this conflict? Why should I engage in this conflict? See, the reality is, is that just because we have an opportunity to disagree or to engage in conflict with someone doesn't mean that you have to. You could actually see something that you disagree with and not say something about it. As your parents probably told you, as mine told me and our teachers told us, if you don't have something nice to say, sometimes it's best just not to say anything at all. The Bible says this too. Look at the book of Proverbs with me. Proverbs chapter 10. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Right? When we're talking a lot, transgression is there, sin is abounding, but whoever restrains his lips is prudence. Or this verse in Proverbs, which I think should be our theme verse for our social media use for all of us, is this. Even a fool who keeps silence is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. See, we need to ask ourselves as we engage in conflict, why would I engage here? Perhaps the best thing for many of us when we find ourselves in a situation that could turn into a conflict is simply this, to shut our mouths, to simply not say anything at all. When I think of one obvious example of how this should be true in our lives so much more than it is, is how so much of social media is used today. Now, I am not that old by any means in my 30s, but I am old enough to remember what social media used to be. I remember I was on Facebook back when it was only for college students about 15 years or so ago. And it was a small thing that you would simply share funny pictures and you would try and connect with who wanted to go out for coffee or to grab some dinner that night. And somehow over the years, it's turned into this whole other thing now. And I just want to remind you that not if, but when you see something on Facebook or Twitter and Instagram that you disagree with, you don't have to say anything back. In fact, you could just simply scroll by or you could simply unfollow the person if they're constantly pushing things into your life that are trying to raise conflicts. It has become so often now just a, a conflicted area of toxic argumentation towards one another. Remember about, I think it was three or four years ago, 
uh, someone who had grown up in this church and had graduated from college, we went out to lunch together. And I remember they asked me, hey, should I, I my, I'm struggling with my use of social media and I follow you. Should I judge that how you use social media is how you would recommend others when it comes to kind of polarizing issues? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And they say, well, I never see you posting anything on there that people would disagree with. And I said, well, that's just kind of my view on it. See, so often we just try and push things out, our points of view to find conflict with one another. When in reality, that's not building one another up. That's not loving each other well. And even 99% of the time, that's not even the best way to engage with those with whom we disagree. But this idea of being silent, of not having to enter into every disagreement we find ourselves in, isn't just something for the internet. It's for everyday life as well. This is a lesson that I learned early in my marriage, that just because I see something that I disagree with or that I wouldn't do myself, it's not the best thing to point it out every single time. But in love and in grace, you could actually let things slide. You could let things go. You don't have to always say everything that comes to your mind. See, there's a certain type of person who loves to always engage in conflict. And the Bible has a word for him. It's called quarrelsome. Quarrelsome. And I, I would dare you just to, to do a Bible search and what the Bible says about a quarrelsome person. In the book of Proverbs, the stereotype of a quarrelsome person is a quarrelsome wife is who's used, although this truth would not just apply certainly to women, but to men as well. This is what it says about quarrelsome people. Better to live on a desert land than with a quarrelsome person. Better to live in a corner of the house than in the top, excuse me, better to live in a corner on the top of a house than in the house shared with a quarrelsome person. My favorite, a continual dripping on a rainy day is like living with a quarrelsome person. And if you're that person who has to enter into every conflict, I would just encourage you to stop and ask yourself, why? Why do I need to engage this? Why do I always have to cause an issue? Why do I always need to make sure my opinion is heard? However, we don't want to take this to the extreme We don't want to always just avoid and never to engage in conflict because healthy relationships are defined by healthy conflict, not by no conflict at all. So the second question that we need to lean into and ask ourselves is this, how should I act in conflict? Conflict will come. It's just a matter of time. It will come in almost any relationship if you give it enough time and honesty as it develops. So the second question we need to ask ourselves is how should I act in conflict? For me, as I try and learn to grow into this in my own life, I try and live out three principles of how this works. The first is this, listen. The first is simply to listen. Listening would avoid and be the best thing for so many of us when it comes to conflict with family, with spouses, with bosses, with coworkers, with anyone. Listening is the foundation of healthy conflict. The Bible says this, we read it tonight, James chapter 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick, fast, ready to hear, and then slow, slow to speak, slow to anger. In Proverbs, it says this, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. 
If you respond before you've actually heard what's going on, it's to your own detriment and you are the one who becomes the fool in the situation because you didn't take the time to listen. Now, there are so many examples as I was thinking this week in my own life on where I did the wrong thing here. But I was thinking this week, there was a time where I actually did this right. There was an email that was sent to me by my boss. This was probably about a year ago. And perhaps it was just the emotional state I in. I was tired, I don't know, but I got this email and I felt like it was inappropriate, like I was threatened. I was just very confused and I immediately got upset and I was about ready to fire something back. And my wife said to me, she goes, well, why don't you just wait and talk to your boss tomorrow? Why don't you just wait and go and talk to him? So I went in and I just said, hey, can you explain to me what you meant by this email? And he explained it. And as he explained it, everything that I had assumed was proven that, nope, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. And I had assumed all of these different things, none of which were true. And it turned out it was an entirely innocent email that was not threatening at all. And I kind of sheepishly explained to him, well, this is kind of how I perceived the email. And my boss just laughed. I'm so sorry. I see how that could have happened. And I'm so sorry that I didn't mean at all for it to be perceived that way. And we, in a span of about five minutes, laughed, joked about it, and moved on to something else. This is something in the heat of the moment I was so upset about, but I had the ability in that moment just to wait and to listen for what their opinion was, to really understand their point of view before I decided to respond. Unfortunately, this is not our normal status. Our normal state of mind is not to listen to others, but to get our opinion out there. But we need first to seek to understand, excuse me, to seek to understand others before we are understood. Seek to understand the other person before we are understood. And it starts with just listening to others. The second step in this is first listen, and then secondly, think. Think. Now, I want to make sure we think after we've listened. So often we listen, and while we're not actually listening, we're just thinking of our response and our comeback to that person. But it said, actually be thoughtful in your response to people. Because here's the thing, when we just listen for something to say and our quick comments back, we're not actually being thoughtful in our responses. And what happens to me is I end up saying things that I end up regretting. Now, a principle in my own life, what often helps me to think better is to just let it breathe. Sometimes it's just counting to 10. It's walking away for three minutes, five minutes before coming back and continuing on the conversation It's actually interesting. Scientists have studied the brain. And what happens in conflict is when you start to get emotional, your brain actually goes into a mode of fight versus flight. And they say your IQ drops by 30 to 50 points. Literally, your brain cannot think logically when you are overcome with emotion. And so when we engage in conflict, so often our responses aren't thoughtful because they're just pure emotion spewing out of us. Now we're emotional beings. We are created with God to have emotions. Those are not sinful, wrong things in and of themselves. But healthy conflict is not simply driven by emotion, but it's first listening and then listening and giving a thoughtful response back, not just an emotional response back to the person. Then thirdly, after we've listened, after we've thought, then speak. Listen, think, 
and then speak. This order is essential. Listen, think, and then speak. The Bible has a lot to say about the kind of words we use when in conflict, the speech of our mouth in conflict. For me, I try and generally put it into two categories. How should our speech be defined in conflict? It should be gracious and it should be gentle. Our, our speech in conflict, really always, but especially in conflict, should be gracious and gentle. When we mean our speech should be gracious, what I'm talking about there is the content of our response. What we say should be filled with love and grace towards one another. In Colossians, the believers are encouraged to this, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Your speech should always be gracious. Proverbs puts it this way, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. When people speak words of grace into your life in conflict, it changes the entire situation. I still remember very vividly my first week that I was employed here at Moody Church. This was 12 years ago next month, so quite a while ago already. And I remember I was so excited. I was 22 years old. I had just become the youth pastor at this church. And I knew that there would be difficulty along the way. But man, I was, I was so excited for the role and the, the privilege of serving here. I remember it was our first Wednesday night youth group. Um, and I, I got up and I preached a message, which I thought, hey, I did a really good job at that. There was, there was nothing that anyone could ever have a problem with. We talked about the gospel. It was very what I thought. This is not a controversial thing at all. Thursday, I come in my first week, I have a voicemail from a parent who's upset and complaining about what I had said at youth group the night before. I was mad. I was mad. I said, how, how dare they? My first week, how dare they call and complain about me? And I remember I walked into Pastor Mark's office and he listened to the young 22-year-old me vent and rave. How dare this parent email me? How, they're, they're so wrong. How do they not see how wrong they are on this? And he gave me this line, which he's told me many, many times over the years. Make sure your response is gracious. Make sure your response is gracious. So it doesn't matter if the person is right or wrong in conflict. When we respond in an ungodly and an ungracious way, we are now in the wrong. Responding in grace gives others the benefit of the doubt. It means that our words, even if we disagree with them, are still full of love and affirming of the goodness that we see of them, of God's work in their lives. Our responses in conflict need to be gracious. We need to build one another up, not tear one another down. So our words should first be gracious, but then they also should be gentle. That means the tone of our response, how we say what we say matters. Oh, if only I could learn this lesson better in my own life. So many times I think I've said the right thing, but I've gotten myself in trouble for how I've said it. The book of Proverbs chapter 15 says this in verse one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Notice it's the tone, it's how we say it that so often matters. In verse four, it says this, a gentle tone is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirits. 
See how we address one another in conflict matters. When we raise our voice and pound the table and demand our way, even if we're saying the right thing, even if we're speaking the truth, it's not the right way that God would have us deal with conflicts. But we need to be those who are filled with gentleness in our speech. I love this passage too in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says this, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That's like the classic Christian's apologetics verse. Be ready always to give an answer. And we take this and we love it. Yeah, I'm going to nail people with the truth of Jesus. I'm going to tell them how they are wrong, how I am right, how I have all the answers. And we miss the last part of verse 15 that says, yet do it with all gentleness, and respect. You can have the right answers and say it in the completely wrong way, and you've missed it. You've blown your witness if you have the right answers, yet you don't treat people with gentleness and with respect. A couple weeks ago, one of the most famous Christian apologetics men of our generations, of all time probably, passed away. And Ravi Zacharias was known not just for his genius ability, but for the way he interacted with people as well. His gentleness as he approached others was seen by anyone who ever saw him, whether they personally interacted with him or saw him interact with others. When he passed away, I saw one person comment on his life and I just loved how they summarized it. They said he saw each person that he would dialogue with, not as an answer, Not as someone who needed an answer, but a person to be ministered to. And his responses were always filled with such grace and such gentleness. And that's why he had such a strong witness and a ministry for so many decades. See, when we listen first, not just to get our response, but to truly understand them. Then when we step back and think, not just respond with our emotions. And then when our speech is filled with grace and with gentleness, It changes how conflict happens. It doesn't mean it will always go away, but it changes the tone. It changes conflict in our lives. Lastly, the third question we need to ask ourselves in conflict is this. What is the goal of this conflict? What is the goal? What am I trying to accomplish here? What is the goal? What would I want to be the the outcome engaged when we go head to head, when we disagree with one another. See, as followers of Jesus, the goal of all of life, including in conflict, is that we would grow, grow in our relationships with Christ, grow in our relationships with one another. And so with healthy conflict leading towards mutual growth towards Christ, what will it take for us to get there? What takes us acting like Jesus? It takes us acting and treating each other like how Jesus has treated us. Colossians 3 says this, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint, a conflict against another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. See, what's the goal to move towards health and unity in the body of Christ? Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness motivated by Love, love. It says this in God's word. Can we have the verse up? There we go. In 1 Peter 4, above all, 
keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. See, when we are in conflict with one another, what I want to challenge us to do is redefine what it means to win in this conflict. In our world so often today, what we call a win is this, that we have proved our point. We've made sure that our argument was superior to others, no matter the cost, no matter the tone it took, no matter how much we had to humiliate or step down or put others down so that we could be seen on top so that our point of view was seen as being correct and valid. But what does God's word call a win when people are in conflict with one another? It's unity in the body of Christ. That's what God is after. Not people winning arguments. God's after unity with one another. God's word calls it a a win when we have a greater love for one another. Not when we put each other down so that we can be heard, but a mutual respect and love for one another. And lastly, an example to our world. See, in that verse that we looked at in 1 Peter chapter 3, when he was talking about having your words filled with gentleness and respect, he writes after that so that even when unbelievers would attack you, their words would fall apart because of their accusations, because your testimony is so strong. See, handling conflict well, handling conflict the way God's word encouraged us to, not only improves our life, but it improves our witness to the world as well. See, Jesus forgave us when we weren't worthy of being forgiven. Jesus loved us when we were not worthy of love. And when we model that forgiveness and that love towards others, it redefines what it means to win in conflict. And it moves us, whether this is a conflict between a boss, a parent and a child, coworkers, roommates, whatever it could be. It moves us closer to Christ and closer to one another. So where are you facing conflict tonight? Where are you as tomorrow's Monday going to hopefully or possibly maybe even enter into conflict tomorrow at 8 or 9 a.m. whenever your workday starts? And what would it look like for you rather than repeating the cycles that you often seem to go down, but instead to draw back, to listen, to think, to have your speech filled with gentleness and grace, and not to so much care about being heard, but moving yourself and one another's towards unity in the body of Christ, towards loving as Jesus has loved us. I want to encourage you tonight to pray. Pray for God's spirit to work in you. This is not something that we can do on our own, but we need his spirit inside of us to empower us that even in conflicts with our words, they can be honorable to God and building up for one another. God, we thank you that your word is so practical and speaks to such a necessity like this where we find ourselves and God, where we confess, myself included, that we so often struggle. God, would we be people who honor you with our words, even in conflicts, especially in conflicts. When our emotions rise high, when we find others disagreeing with us, may we treat them as you would treat them. And we show them the forgiveness and love and respect that they deserve. And may our speech be so filled with grace and gentleness 
that it would exalt Christ in the midst of the conflicts that we have. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.